Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Let's head down to the United States, find out what is happening. Uh, Iowa caucus last night, and I think we're still kind of waiting for... Waiting for results there. Not sure what happened. I'm sure Reggie can touch on that. And tonight, President Trump will give a State of the Union address. Reggie Cicchini is with us, Washington producer and correspondent with Global News. Make sure you're watching Global News at 5.30 and 6 tonight for more on all of this. Reggie, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Good afternoon. All right, let's start with the Iowa caucus and uh, what has happened uh, last night. Uh, any more word on what the delay was caused from and why we are where we are? Well, uh, some uh, news that's just come out over the last couple of minutes or so is that we are expecting to get results from the Iowa caucus in about four and a half hours when the Iowa Democratic Party says they'll release the initial results, at least, at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern. And this all comes after the kind of caucus chaos or caucus crisis or however people are describing it uh, kind of unfolded last night where they say that there was a new app that was developed for the party. It wasn't working. It failed miserably. People weren't able to get their results in. Uh, And it's kind of left this big confusion and a whole bunch of zeros on the board with nobody actually able to claim defeat or victory. Uh, Here's a quick clip of what Elizabeth Warren had to say. It is too close to call. So I'm just going to tell you what I do know. You won! (laughs) All right. You know, all we saw was victory speeches last night. Will anybody have to walk any of that back or were they all neutralized enough? Well, I mean, look, everyone's going to have to eventually walk it back because only one person is ultimately going to win. There will be a couple of others who claim victory as coming second or third. But for the most part, they're not even focusing on it now. I mean, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Andrew Yang, all of them have already arrived in New Hampshire to start the stump there uh, to try uh, to try and carry this into the New Hampshire primary. So, I mean, everything that happened last night or at least everything that didn't happen doesn't appear to be making any kind of uh, impact outside of the actual uh, people who are sitting in Iowa trying to figure out whether or not caucuses are ever going to happen again because there was a crisis and chaos that happened during the Hillary Bernie uh, Democratic caucuses four years ago. So this is something that is now under discussion to see perhaps it's too antiquated and they need to move on from this. So technology, because there has been some chatter, some thought that it might be hacking of some sort, but we know that this is an in-house technical uh, technical issue. Well, this is what the Iowa Democratic Party is saying, is that the app that was developed for them failed. Uh, but the issue is, in 2016, they had a new app that was developed for them that also failed and led to the kind of uh, kerfuffle that happened between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. So it's two caucuses in a row now where they're claiming that there was a fail. But what it's doing is opening up a door and a window and a garage for everyone to bring out conspiracy theories and it's giving Republicans an opportunity to kind of seize the moment to say look at how kind of discombobulated the Democratic Party is right now focus on us because what would happen if they were trying to run the country when they can't even run a caucus what has been Donald Trump's reaction to this well I mean he's trying to walk away as the winner I mean he he, he won the Republican caucus in Iowa last night but it's because his campaign has all but kind of shut out anybody from being able to run against the president so it was kind of a guaranteed win for him but he did this victory lap saying that he took 98 percent of the caucus in iowa and he's simply trying to draw these comparisons by saying look the democrats can't do anything right this is why you need to ignore them they've been coming after me they'll come after you vote republican this is essentially what we're hearing from the president and his people uh by the time this result comes out uh, many say this is all about momentum uh iowa the first one of a series of these uh is the result important still at this point even if it's late 
I mean, it is only in a sense that, you know, if everybody's kind of anticipating that Bernie Sanders is going to win, but for whatever reason, you know, Amy Klobuchar or, or Tom Steyer walks away the winner, it, it gives kind of new credence to what's going to happen in New Hampshire and possibly at elections down the road. So there is still some kind of significance and importance, albeit questioned, uh, what comes out of Iowa, because it's supposed to give that kind of forward kick so that you can start running. And campaigns are essentially saying, look, we just spent almost a year on the ground and all this cash in Iowa for results that aren't going to work. And we essentially now have to start over with the seven days that we have before Mm. New Hampshire. Uh, Bernie Sanders picking up steam. Bernie Sanders is picking up steam, but you have to pay very close attention to who it is that's voting for Bernie Sanders. He doesn't do well with a population 65 and older. He draws in a large crowd of, say, the university kids down to about 18 years old, whereas someone like Pete Buttigieg is this more moderate candidate who's picking up support across the board. And Joe Biden does well with older candidates, but doesn't do well with a younger crowd. So, I mean, if you parcel things out, sure, there's a lot of support for each candidate, but it's which candidate can actually appease everyone across the board because Bernie Sanders can only do so much with a young population if they're not the ones who are coming out to vote. Plus, how big is the concern that he is too far left for the party to beat Trump? Well, I mean, look, Iowa is one of those states that is moderately Democrat, but has some very strong left leaning uh, uh, sections to the state. So for for Bernie Sanders to have this kind of big support, I mean, look, he only lost by three tenths of a percent to Hillary Clinton uh, four years ago. So there is obviously a big grassroots movement that's for the uh, for Bernie Sanders in Iowa. It's going forward. Does that matter? Is New Hampshire, which is likely going to go for uh, Bernie Sanders, going to continue? Does Bernie Sanders have the kind of uh, uh, lock in with the African-American community? We'll see when it comes to the uh, election to the primary in South Carolina later on. Uh, it's unlikely that he's got, you know, the, the, the base behind him or the same with the Latino base when we get to the Nevada primaries. Uh, so what can we expect with the State of the Union address tonight? It was interesting watching uh, Donald Trump's interview just uh, it, before the Super Bowl game and in, in the uh, in the pregame stuff. Uh, it almost as if he was lining up each candidate. Candidate and, and insulting each one of them individually. Are we going to see that or are we going to see more about the country and more about policy? I don't know. I mean, like you, you're probably good to, to check in on what uh, what the bookkeepers are doing and the Vegas odds right now as to how <laughs> the president is going to act uh, on, on the night tonight. I mean, the odds are already out there, the over and under on how long this is going to go and how many times he's going to say things like China, Democrat or Iran. But I'm I, I'm 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 it's hard to tell whether or not the president is going to solely focus on the Democratic opponents ignore impeachment or talk about the kind of the legislative wins that he claims that he had over the last year, or if he's going to use this as kind of framework to pitch his reelection campaign and talk directly to the base that may be paying attention to that speech tonight. There's any kind of number of opportunities for the president to walk down. What we do know from his people and from his speechwriters is that it's going to be, quote unquote, uh, you know, high optimism and kind of talking about the great American comeback where he's discussing the economy and discussing job rates and discussing, uh, you know, high stock markets, despite the fact that we're in kind of a bit of an economic slowdown right now. Those are what the president is expected to focus on. It just depends if he goes off script. If he starts to ignore that prompter in front of him, it's anyone's guess as to where he's going to go. Are are many concerned about the length of this? Because he has had a tendency to run long. That being said, that could work to your disadvantage. 
Well, there you go. The over-under odds minus 120 on the length of the State of the Union being <laughs> 82.5 minutes. So that's kind of where everyone's focused on right now. It's scheduled to go for 90. If he goes that long, uh, you know, the, the president doesn't have a lot to talk about when it comes to legislative wins to go for 90 minutes. So that means that he'd have to start pitching his re-election campaign or potentially trying to, you know, drum up some, some other uh, uh, talking points that he likes to discuss. But this is going to be that one opportunity he has for an entire room to be sitting there. And if he wants to draw in some bipartisan partisan support, he may need to not focus on something like impeachment and try to talk about something that will get uh, kind of Congress working together because this has been a very split Congress for the last you know year and a half since Democrats took their majority and very little has actually been accomplished. Uh, how big a deal is this speech tonight in America? Will everybody be watching? I mean, look, everybody watches, every bar uh, puts it on their TVs, they create cocktails that are, you know, linked to the speech tonight. It's a big deal in the U.S. because it's an opportunity for the president's base to kind of revel in, you know, what he's done over the last year and what he intends to do over the next year and possibly the next four years. And it gives Democrats uh, an opportunity to kind of sit there and, and fight back against the president. I mean, their response tonight is going to come from Michigan's governor who out uh, who, be, who beat out uh, the Republican kind of nominee in 2016 by more than than double-digit points that was backed by Donald Trump. And she's intending to say that, you know, she's not going to listen to what the president has to say on the podium. She's going to focus more on the inaction of Republicans. So this is kind of how, uh, you know, how split it is. You either are listening to what the president says or you're ready to battle back against what the president didn't do in your eyes. Uh, can't, before I let you go, can't uh, let you go without asking your thoughts on the tweet around the president and the Super Bowl and mixing up Kansas City with the state of Kansas City and the city of Kansas City. Did this play at all uh, since the tweet was removed pretty quickly, I guess. Uh, did of, that, does this resonate in the States? I saw it was on Stephen Colbert last time. I mean, look, everybody picked up on it, and it kind of drew everybody back to when the hurricane uh, was heading towards the U.S., and he used this Sharpie to draw on a map to say, oh, it's going to hit Alabama as well, <laughs> despite the fact that it had no you know, intention of, of making a track over towards Alabama. This is simply what the president does. He tweets very quickly. Oftentimes, he just tries to get the tweet out first, not understanding what the concept is or understanding what the spelling errors might be or what the content might be. I mean, people picked it up as saying, look, this is the president being the president. There's also a video out there that shows during the national anthem, he was swinging his hands around and trying to direct the uh, the orchestra while he was sitting in this room. So, I mean, what the president does, you know, makes for social media moments, but it ultimately doesn't sway the opinions of people because people's minds have been made up for years. Reggie Giacchini has been with us, Washington producer and correspondent with Global News down in Washington. Make sure you're watching Global News tonight at 530 and 6 for more on all of this. As always, Reggie, thanks for the time. Have fun tonight. Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right, let's bring in Ryan Hurl, Assistant Professor, Department of Political Science, University of Toronto. He is with us now. Ryan, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. No problem at all. Before we get into the State of the Union, your thoughts on what happened in Iowa last night? Uh, an embarrassing glitch, but I think in retrospect, it will not be seen as a, a defining moment in American politics. Uh, I think, as people know, anytime you're using new technology, uh, there can be problems of this kind. In retrospect, it does seem as if they should have tried uh, to test this technology more carefully. Uh, but there, it does seem to be that even in, in comparison with earlier years, there's been a more careful paper trail established in the caucuses this year. So I actually don't think there's going to be anything, any doubt about the uh, the actual results. There'll be a bit of delay, and I think that if, say, if in particular, if Bernie Sanders comes out on top, as it looks like he might, uh, there might be some question about whether or not the uh, the confusion over the results might have slowed down his momentum. 
But I don't think in the end uh, that's likely to be the main story. What about conspiracy theories, whether outside hacking or inside hacking? You know, I heard one report say that uh, some had figured that the Democratic Party didn't want Bernie Sanders to show any sort of front run. So front running. So they've they've tried to kill the momentum. Uh, Is this just pretty much a technical issue then? Well, in regards to conspiracy theories, I always say, you know, look towards incompetence first. If you can explain something through just basic incompetence, mm. that's probably what happened. Uh, yeah, they should have been testing this stuff beforehand, but then they just assumed that maybe the app was so easy that everybody would be able to use it properly. And these things just sometimes turn out badly. Now, is it impossible? I don't know. I suppose, you know, conspiracies do happen on occasion, but I think uh, I'm, I don't think that's very likely. Uh, surprise, Bernie Sanders seems to be gaining momentum at this point. Uh, it's an interesting question. Uh, I am, I must admit, a little bit surprised uh, on the whole. I thought that Bernie Sanders' last chance would have been in 2016. I did not think he'd be able to repeat uh, with the same level of enthusiasm in 2020. I thought some of that would shift to the younger but politically similar uh, Elizabeth Warren. And I was completely wrong on that front. I think what is perhaps happening, and I don't have a lot of evidence yet. This is a hunch that might only be, be revealed if it has any basis in the future. But I think it's possible that Joe Biden has been hurt by the impeachment effort. I think that that is perhaps making it difficult for people to consolidate behind him. I think there's a fear that because of Biden's uh, you know, family connections and the, the appearance of impropriety, people are now questioning whether he will be actually the most electorally viable candidate against mm. Trump. And that was the main argument for Biden. So as I think as a consequence, it's been easier for Sanders to maintain support and to build his own support. Uh, do you think the Ukraine issue will hurt Biden? Uh, can he explain his way out of this between now and election time? That's possible, but in the end, it does not look very good, right? There are some facts on the ground, and the fact is is that Hunter Biden was making a lot of money, uh, probably from connections to his father. Doesn't mean anything illegal happened. Doesn't even necessarily mean anything unethical happened. But it's kind of the worst-case scenario in some ways for people who think that there is just this elite class that is living in an entirely different universe. And a lot of those people are Trump voters, and I think a lot of those people are also Sanders voters, and maybe uh, some more of them are becoming Sanders voters as well. Could Biden be hit with the same bug that brought down Hillary? And by that, I mean uh, it wasn't so much who she was or, 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 sorry, what she was standing for, but the fact that it was more establishment, that Donald Trump was kind of the anti-establishment character, believe it or not. Will that sort of establishment hurt Biden? I think it's possible, but... I really think the main weakness for Clinton was the fact that she did not take the Trump candidacy as seriously as she should have. Yeah. They were in a, in a way, the, her campaign was blindsided. And I think that a lot of her younger advisors maybe were uh, not as on the ball as they could have been in terms of planning their campaign and actually being worried about the so-called blue wall of, of Rust Belt states, which ended up turning for Trump in the end. Biden won't have that excuse, but I don't think he'll have that problem. I think it will be, you know, to use an old metaphor, all hands on deck for Biden. So even if the, he might have some vulnerabilities that are that are similar in some ways to Clinton as an establishment figure, 
he will obviously be aware that Trump is a serious candidate and will not take anything for granted. Uh, did the Democrats lo- uh, learn anything from the last loss with Hillary? Uh, no matter how deplorable he was, they still didn't take her over him. Uh, do they understand why yet? That's an interesting question. And I think that the answer is probably no. I think a lot of the usual explanations for Trump's victory uh, are in terms of, well, he, he just he's such an extreme candidate and was able to mobilize people simply on the basis of racial resentment. I think it's more plausible that Trump was hurt by his own racist sentiments. And I think that the, the actual core of Trump's victory was the fact that he moved towards the political center, not on every issue, not on immigration, but on many issues, uh, such as trade, uh, such as foreign policy in particular. So to see Trump as just part of the long story of polarization and extremism, the separation of the parties that that has occurred since the 1960s, I think too many Democrats simply put it as part of that narrative. But in fact, he represents something rather different. What can we expect tonight, do you think? Uh, You never know. Uh, But uh, I would imagine that Trump is going to focus on the most positive news that has occurred over the course of his administration, which is, of course, news about the economy. Uh, I think it's also possible that you might you might see him raise some themes that are of particular interest uh, to African-American voters, such as school choice. I think both Trump and the Republicans know that uh, whether it's talking about this electoral cycle or future electoral cycles, they cannot be they cannot survive as a white only party. They have to reach out to different types of voters, different categories of voters. And so I think you will see, much like this in the Super Bowl uh, advertisement on the weekend, where Trump was talking about uh, uh, issues related to uh, over-incarceration, uh, I think you might see him raising some issues along those grounds as well, in addition to the, the economic message. Often, uh, Donald Trump has been his own worst enemy. What do you think the chances are of him shooting himself in the foot? And tomorrow we're talking about, can you believe what happened last night? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, with Trump, it's, uh, it's, like a, it's a coin toss on some of these yeah. issues. Uh, in my mind, uh, I would not raise any issues related to the impeachment. I would just push, sort of push it to the side. Uh, Trump, I think, has very different instincts, and it will, it's possible that he will confront that issue head on and simply, uh, yeah, we might be talking about the fact that he has you know, directly attacked the Democratic Party, made claims about a long-term conspiracy against him. Uh, that's is a more risky strategy, and Trump seems to like the risky strategy. Hmm. Sometimes it's worked for him. Ryan Hurl has been with us, Assistant Professor, Department of Political Science, University of Toronto. Ryan, as always, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Not a problem. Take care. It is 1254. It's 900 CHML. I'm Scott Thompson. A news update at the top of the hour. After that, we still have to talk about uh, politics here in Canada, carbon tax, and the Trans Mountain Pipeline all coming up. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.